when I was running my own fitness business, but I just didn't see the potential. I wasn't educated enough. I think I just got more and more educated. I was just like reading a lot of stuff, taking a lot of courses, kind of starting to pinpoint what works and what doesn't. And then eventually, after just going through a lot of information, I started putting together the things that worked, the things that kind of stood out from everything that I was doing. And then at the same time, when I bought the School of Boss course, it resonated with me uh, what they were teaching. Because they weren't only teaching chatbots, and basically they were teaching a business model. And they said, hey, just get very good at what you're doing and only do it for one type of business. Are you an overwhelmed SaaS founder ready to make the leap from leading a team to leading an organization? Join us each week as we refill your think tank with actionable tips and strategies from great business minds you know and those you don't know yet. This is SaaS Fuel with your host, five-time entrepreneur, SaaS founder, and globetrotting adventurer, Jeff Mays. Welcome back to the SaaS Fuel Podcast, where we refuse to let our sales process get in the way of our client buying process. I'm your host, Jeff Maines. Last week's episode was packed with flavorful nuggets as we talked with Greg Vetter, founder and CEO of Tessa Mays, a lead innovator and disruptor in the clean food movement and grew it to be the number one organic salad dressing brand. Well, trailblazers have to continue innovating, right? Solve new problems, and Greg did that in a big, big way. So if you missed that, go back and give it a listen. My guest this week is Liziana Carter, founder of Grow AI. Grow AI creates automated conversations to help businesses serve clients and convert more followers into buyers. They do that using dialogue-driven chatbots. I don't know about you, but I love web chat. I mean, quick answers to common questions, requests, instant connection to service, sales, or other help. And that's really what Liz created with Grow AI. It's to help people like you and me solve problems faster, purchase easier, and create a frictionless experience. And if you've read my first book, you know how much I love frictionless experience. So give it up for a resilient and tenacious SaaS founder and chat innovator, Liz Carter. Hey, Liziana, welcome to SaaS Fuel. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, tell me a little bit about your background and, and how you came up with the idea for Grow.ai. Yeah, so I'm Romanian. I live in Australia right now, but my background is basically I'm an accountant at my core. That's what I studied. I was doing something totally different back in Romania. I was running the family business with my father. And we were doing forestry exploitation and wood manufacturing. So it had nothing to do with AI. Wow. <laughs> and then I decided to, obviously, I had this big idea moving to Australia and I wanted to do something else. So that was a bit of a journey because I really didn't know what to do, but I knew I wanted to do something special. So I initially started an online fitness business, which I ran for about two years wasn't very profitable, but it taught me a lot. It did also introduce me 
two chatbots, surprisingly, what I do now. So that's when I actually had the first contact with chatbots. I started building chatbots for my business, for my fitness business, and that's how I was running it. And it felt like pretty awesome at that time. I didn't know much about what I was doing. I was just like going with the flow. And then after my fitness business did not work out, I started a few other things like affiliate marketing. I tried an e-com shop, like a bunch of like, you know how it goes. You just like sure. throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks. <laughs> <laughs> now that kind of didn't work either. So I felt like I wanted something more stable So I went into the Microsoft space and I worked for a Microsoft partner for about one year. And then after one year, I was like, I still need to do something of my own. So I quit that job and I opened a chatbot agency. That was what I did in December 2019. That was my first go at having a chatbot agency. My big mistake was that I went after local businesses. So I started working with gyms and med spas, which... At the point where my agency was taking off, COVID hit. So they all went out of business and I went out of business again. <laughs> wow. And then that is right where we were in lockdown. I was like, I need to find something else, like something that really is special. And I bought School of Bots, their course, and they're teaching chatbots, like a totally different level that I was doing it. I was like, Oh my God, (laughs) (laughs) I'm no good at this. And they also mentioned AI in their course. Now they weren't teaching it, but I felt like there was like a, I could find a loop there that was going to set me apart. Like if I were to learn like advanced chatbot building plus AI, plus I had all of my kind of experience in marketing, Facebook ads, Like I was kind of connecting all of these dots together and eventually I did. So that's how kind of Grow AI came to be about two years ago. That's great. I love the journey. I mean, it's real common to hear stories and founder stories and it's all roses. You know, I started a company and it grew and it was awesome. It was very rarely like that. It's very rarely linear success. You know, we all go through, you know, high points and low points and a lot of lessons along the way. Yeah, it's never like whenever you see like an overnight success, it's usually about five to 10 years in progress. (laughs) Right. Just like getting good at failing, basically. Yes, yes. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly right. And I love the resilience that when something doesn't go well, you don't just give up and, uh, you know, I'm just going to go back and do something else. It's, you know, taking the lessons of that and moving forward. And so what, what did I learn and how can I use that in building something new? Yeah, because I guess like if you're not learning, like it's important to learn how to fail and take on failure. Maybe even I would say learn how to fail fast, (laughs) but at the same time, learn from what you've done. Because if you keep doing like stuff and you're not learning and applying, okay, so this clearly doesn't work. Let me just try it in a different way. You're kind of doing it for no reason. Like, (laughs) Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. If we don't learn from it, why bother? (laughs) Yes. That's great. Well, chatbots, I think, have come a long, long way from, you know, where they started, which was, you know, kind of answering some really basic questions. How has AI transformed the experience with interacting with users? Yeah, so chatbots have come a long way, especially now with Instagram DM automation was not available to the public or whoever was doing it was breaking Facebook policies. 
And they've opened this to the public last year in August, which was like a big thing for everybody because whoever wants to automate conversation on Instagram and everybody's on Instagram. More so, most people, when they want to purchase something, they have a look at Instagram. They check out the product there first. So with chatbots, first of all, you're able to automate. But let's, like, I, I want to be clear here. I'm, we're never talking about 100% automation. I think like we're still far away from that. There's a place for us humans in there that is very special and it cannot be replaced, probably not in the near future. So we're probably looking at, depending on the business, on how much it has going on, probably looking at around maybe 80% automation, 80, 85, maybe 90 if there is a lot of repetitive tasks. Now, chatbots can handle the back and forth interaction, just like you're, you're talking to a bot, you're tapping some buttons there, and it kind of goes back and forth like this. Now, where chatbots kind of fail is at the point where you stop following like the process of what you have to do, like tapping buttons and just sending some something back in return, and you just start typing random questions into the chat. And then it kind of breaks because it's really just automation. So where AI steps in here is it kind of takes over those complex questions as well. So with advances in natural language and understanding, we're now able to train the AI to say so, to understand context. So if somebody's asking something, hey, will this help me lose weight or will this... and is going to be able to understand that context. And the more we train it with data, basically, it all comes down to data. The more data we have around how we can train AI, the better it becomes at handling all of these questions. And the next step is training it to also understand context better and better. So, for example, it may say, it may ask, hey, will this product help me do this? So then the AI will understand, hey, he's referring to this product from the right website. And then it's asking about this in particular. So then it's going to be able to kind of give an answer exactly on that topic. So how much training does it take for the AI to really understand that? Or the AI engines that are, are commercially available, are they used enough that they've already learned a lot of those things? So we train it from scratch because we work with e-commerce businesses and some questions, like some topics are going to be the same for each brand. So we're kind of able to kind of take in the data, like around shipping, around pricing. It's always going to be kind of the same questions, just obviously we're customizing the answer. But anything around the product or what's happening with the brand, when the brand has like a large, like many products, and a lot of information around the product, then it may take us about, let's say, three months, just because we're doing it from scratch, where we're collecting the data and we're doing it based on real-time information. So when every time my team goes in every day and they see, hey, what were the missed user inputs yesterday? What did people ask that we weren't able to handle with AI? So then they take all of that information and build it in. And we're kind of looking like at a three months to kind of automate roughly 70 to 80%. It depends. Wow, that's really good. Yeah. Three um, months, 70, 80%, because that really takes the labor cost out is. of the simple questions and lets mm -hmm. people really focus on interactions that really matter, that require human intervention. 
Exactly. And not, I mean, I feel like there's still a misconception around chatbots and AI where you're looking, when you're thinking of them, you're thinking of, oh, it's going to just automate customer support. But it's not like that because all right. of those conversations are designed to drive to a sale sooner or later. So if they ask something and we see the intent that they want to buy, then we're going to follow up with like a customized offer that basically expires, let's say, in 24 hours. So they have to use it or lose it pretty much. That's really and smart. We're kind of leveraging all this, not only to automate, but also drive, drive sales at the same time. So how does the buyer intent data work? How do, we, how do you find that out and how does it work in practice? So in practice, whenever we start working with, let's say, with a new business and we deploy a chatbot, it takes us a few weeks, maybe a month max to deploy it. And once it's deployed, we start collecting information. And obviously, we have the client's own database because they always have the frequently asked questions. It's like, we're going to start there. We're going to take that data and we're going to create the intents. And then we're going to take the training phrases from what people are asking because they may ask in different ways. And then we want to train the AI with those exact phrases so that at some point, even if they type like misspell, they ask a question, but they misspell a word or two. AI will still pick it up because it's going to understand the phrase as having been asked before, basically. So we deploy the chatbot. We start collecting information for about 30 days. It's usually what we do. And then that 30 days worth of information, we build it in the initial phrase, in the initial intent of AI. And then from there, we kind of collect data every day for the next two months and kind of optimize it's not always like, you know, if the brand or the business has a lot of stuff going on, for example, they go out of stock with some items or they have promotions or many things going on, then we will probably not be able to automate 80%. We're probably looking at maybe 65, 70% because we just have to be aware that people are going to ask questions about like time sensitive, you know, campaigns that are happening. Sure, sure. Still, 70% is really, really good to be able to take that cost out and deliver service much faster. Yes. But I really like that it's not just about removing cost. I mean, that, that's important. But, you know, one of your big things is monetizing channels that are cost centers. So it's taking that cost center and turning it around into something that, that drives revenue. Exactly. That is our main selling point, I would say. Like taking all of these channels because people are already there. They are sitting on the apps that they trust. And what we're doing is basically taking the product to their inbox. Instead of, for example, let's say what you basically see out there right now is like every online brand is running an ad and taking these people to the product. And what we're doing is we're taking the product to their inbox, which is much easier to convert. Without a doubt. Yeah, <laughs> I think that the interaction and just the, the speed of interaction is such a big differentiator. I know when I go to a site, even if I want to engage or buy or something, but have a question or just want to inquire, if the only way I can do it is send an email off into you know, some black hole somewhere, I'll never know if I made it or not, or if I can chat right then and get my answer. If I don't find chat, then a lot of times I just move on to someplace else. Yeah, exactly. And most, like it's crazy, but most, consumers, about 50%, like half of them expect an immediate response, like in less than five seconds. And because they're not getting it, then 
they end up making their minds about a brand or a company before even having the chance to engage with their team. And it may be like an awesome brand with an awesome product that sure. they very well benefit from. But just because we're like living in this, like everything is like on speed, like it happens so <laughs> yes. fast, we just like don't have the patience anymore. Yeah, we want instant responses. Exactly, yeah. So how did you make the decision to go from Romania to Australia? Ah, oh, look, I felt like I needed something more in my life at that time. I spent a bunch of time in the uni. I spent like 10 years <laughs> just studying and, you know, getting bachelor's degrees. And then I worked in the family business and I felt like I reached, like I hit a ceiling. There was nowhere else to go. I was living in like a medium-sized town in Romania and I just wanted something more. And I just wanted something more for my daughter as well. My daughter is almost 11 now. And I didn't want her to reach 30 and feel like, because she was going to reach like that ceiling much earlier than I, because she were living in a different world. Sure. And I wanted her to live in a first world country, basically, and grow up. And it's so different. Like when I look at her and when I look at me at her age, it is like total, like such a big difference in everything in her mentality, in her education, in how she approaches things, on how she speaks. And yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't easy because like as a Romanian to fully emigrate to a whole new country, sure. of course, even Australia, I'm not sure if you're familiar with like, but Australia just makes it so hard. Yes, <laughs> yes. Totally impossible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of things to love about Romania. <laughs> But at the same time, you know, getting out and experiencing new places, new things, different environment, that's a bold move. I think that's, you know, one of the things that I love about entrepreneurs is not afraid to make big moves. Yeah, and it was a big move because when I came here, I basically started from scratch. Like I rode a skateboard for years. Wow. Because <laughs> I didn't have a car. <laughs> <laughs> so it just like, it took a long time of just sitting like at the bottom of everything and just like trying out stuff that didn't work, obviously. I mean, I was getting experience, but that's pretty much it. And then I was just sitting at that lower level of like everything. I didn't have like much. And then it just skyrocketed at some point. And that's what I'm saying. It's like a 10-year work in progress overnight success. Right, right. <laughs> so what was that inflection point for you? What was it that, that really made it take off? Well, if I think about it now, like I said, I did chatbots when I was running my online fitness business, but I just didn't see the potential. I wasn't educated enough. I think I just got more and more educated. I was just like reading a lot of stuff, taking a lot of courses, kind of starting to pinpoint what works and what doesn't. And then eventually, after just going through a lot of information, I started putting together the things that worked the things that kind of stood out from everything that I was doing. And then at the same time, when I bought the School of Boss course, it resonated with me uh, what they were teaching. Because they weren't only teaching chatbots, and basically they were teaching a business model. And they said, hey, just get very good at what you're doing and only do it for one type of business. Because that's just going to allow you to get very good at this without trying to like do this for like, you know, real estate and like everybody and, uh, and it's going to distract you from just getting very good at one thing. And uh, because I did that, I just took on that mentality that this is model they were teaching. And then I kind of went and 
I started working for free for other agencies. So this is how I really started. And it was like a few months after I realized that I knew more than they knew. And I was kind of running the show with their clients. (laughs) (laughs) And also I had signed NDAs and I could never use those case studies for myself. So that's kind of when I said, okay, it's going to be, I'm going to go out on my own and I'm just going to reach out to CEOs and, you know, I'm going to make whatever compromise I need to make in the beginning to kind of get myself out there. Another bold move. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, that's kind of the same that I got into the Microsoft space kind of a year earlier when I was trying to find something more stable because that wasn't easy either because you can't just get in without, you know, experience and, you know, they want you to have Microsoft certifications and like all of this stuff that I clearly didn't have. (laughs) And they said, I DM'd about 600 Microsoft partners and businesses on LinkedIn. And I told them, hey, this is my background. This is what I know because I had like my accountancy background. So I knew stuff that they were looking for. And I told them, hey, I will work for free if you just give me a shot. Obviously, fortunately enough, in Australia, working for free is illegal. So (laughs) (laughs) I did get somebody from Sydney, my previous boss, David, respond to me and he said like, can you do this? And he sent me a link with a new ERP system that Microsoft had just released. Like they had just released it in July and I was doing this crazy outreach in September. Okay. So I looked it up and I was like, well, this was just released. So nobody really knows how to do it. So yeah, I'll do it. (laughs) (laughs) You know as much as anybody else at that point. (laughs) Pretty much. So he was like, all right, then I'll give you a one-month internship. And if you do everything you say you can do, then you got yourself a permanent position. So that's how I started. Wow, that is fantastic. And just the, the entrepreneurial spirit behind that, to make that many contacts, you know, those are the things that you take and carry forward that make you successful in your own business. I think so. And even when I started outreaching for my, what is now Grow AI, I did the same thing. I was just like, getting myself into people's inboxes and (laughs) it's like my very first client I think I had I just kept following up on him for about six months and like even leads who've told me no I turned them around because I got the point where they said no to me I hadn't yet done what then turned them around because I was building use cases over and over again and then when I share something new with them kind of appeal to them, then they change their minds. I guess it's just like hustling your way out there. Yes. That is a great story moving forward. So with all those contacts, it sounds like people on the outside maybe would think that you're an extrovert. Are you extrovert or more introverted? I am very introverted. Maybe one of the reasons why my online business did not work out because There were some personal issues behind it, but the main reason was that it was draining me to be out there every single day doing Facebook Lives and Instagram Stories and YouTube videos, and that just wasn't me. And it was just like draining. At the point where I decided I had to close down the business, it was actually a relief for me. Because right now, I don't do a lot of social media and stuff. like I prefer, you know, doing the bigger deals behind the scenes and geeking out. (laughs) 
<laughs> inside the chatbots, which is, that's me. That's really me. I think that's a really important thing to, to keep in mind is really building a business that fits you as an individual. So it's not just doing it or, or doing all the things that everybody else says that you should do, but building something that's in alignment with who you are. You're right. However, I think, I feel like what I've done in those years running my online fitness business have highly contributed to what I can do today. Because today, I simply like put the phone in my face and record my face pitching my product to a, to a CEO, and then I send them that video of me with the pitch, with like a one-minute pitch. I probably couldn't, wouldn't have kind of acquired the skill of just like recording a video and sending it to somebody <laughs> if I hadn't spent those two years recording videos of myself and practicing and just like keep practicing it. And I was so bad. And when I look at those videos now, they were so bad, <laughs> but they helped. I feel like they all came together. That's great insight. So pushing past your comfort zone and doing things outside of that mm. and taking those experiences. And again, just taking it that next step. Exactly. So learning from what you've done. And I've been in my comfort zone for a long time. And lately, I've just been very reluctant to just doing anything that I don't want to do. Because I'm at the point where I've kind of, at some level, figured out like what I need to do to get new business, what I need to do to get results for my clients. It's kind of like a system that works. I know that it'll come a time when I want to take this to a different level. But I feel like because I've been out of my comfort zone for quite a long time, especially after deciding to leave Romania... I'm now kind of like a little princess who just want to sit in her tower and <laughs> do her own thing. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to ask Liziana about the most important lessons that she has learned throughout her career right after this. Today's episode is sponsored by Champion Leadership Group. Get free growth tools and map out a growth plan to scale your SaaS business beyond $10 million in ARR. Travel with fellow SaaS entrepreneurs on your growth journey and use a proven methodology that is mentor-guided, results-focused, and peer-supported. Celebrate wins and quickly rebound from setbacks to achieve profitable growth, impact, and freedom. Unleash your SaaS growth today at championleadership.com. My guest today is Liziana Carter, founder and CEO of Grow AI. Awesome chatbot tool. And Liziana, I'd love to hear a little bit about, you know, the most important lessons you've learned throughout your career. You've done a lot of different things in business and in corporate. So what are those lessons? I think I can probably bring them down to two important lessons. The first one was, it was never an issue for me to accept failure, but at the point where I got better at failing, I know it sounds like it sounds bad, but it's not that bad. And at the point where like, I was trying so many things, like maybe about three to four years ago, I was trying so many things that were not working out. But in my mind, at the point where I felt something was already failing, I knew the next thing that I was going to try. So I just got better and better at trying out ideas. It's not just business ideas. It's just ideas, even in my business now. I've probably you know, burned through a fair bit of cash in the last couple of years just trying out stuff. Because that's how I ended up 
being able to build this system that I'm implementing for these clients because I've tried out things that I know they don't work. So getting better at kind of trying out things and seeing what works and what doesn't was the very first thing that kind of pushed me forward. And I guess the second one was really attaching myself and working with high ethics people who not only have the work ethics, but just like ethics in general. I feel like finding people with good ethics to work with is very important, but also hard because you can stick with those people, not just have work, but just like collaborations, ongoing collaborations, not just right on the long term. And I think that taught me maybe in the first six months of having my agency, because I signed some really bad clients. It was just like, you know, it's those clients, but where's my ROI? But where's this? And what's this? And they were just like draining. They just didn't see the big picture or they were just like, they wanted everything now, which clearly doesn't happen in business. If you're a business person, you know, it's not right. a magic wand that just like, so, and one of my very first clients is still with me. So, you know, I've just been able to develop relationships, not many, I'll be honest with you, in my business career and personal life with people who have this ethics that is very important to me. I may be taking this from my dad who was in the military for many years, and I've seen this in him as well. And I probably picked it up without even noticing it. I'm just looking for doing kind of Naval Ravikant says this really well, playing the long-term game with long-term people, or maybe I messed it up. Something similar to that. That is a great quote. (laughs) Yeah. That's definitely what we want. Uh, What role have mentors played in your success? Oh, huge role. Mentors, even now, it's just the, the shortcut that you need to take to kind of transfer information from people who have it to you and kind of skip chapters, like skip ahead. Because if you're trying to figure out everything by yourself, I mean, you probably will, but it's going to take you 10 times or more the time that would otherwise take you to pay somebody like a good chunk of cash for one hour of their time. And then you just get on Zoom and you talk. You basically ask them and they talk to you and they tell you what they probably wouldn't tell (laughs) um, to most people out there. So that was a huge thing. I I remember right before I left Romania, I paid 10K, I believe, for a one-year mastermind that everybody said I was crazy uh, for doing it, but it taught me so much. And I probably didn't realize it for years after. I realize it now because I'm kind of looking back at what they were teaching and I see it now. But at that point, maybe I wasn't ready for some of the things that I was being taught. I also think, feel like there's a time, everything in their time. Sometimes you're ready to take on the learning. Sometimes you just need more time. Sure. Uh, but mentors have been crucial. Natasha Takahashi from School of Bots, she's played an important role in my development as a chatbot agency because, like, Obviously, they're school of bots, but I've also developed a relationship with her that she's supported over the last few years, not only like business-wise, where we are agency partners and they're sending clients or referring clients to us, 
but also just helping me, you know, get over issues that she knows how to solve and I don't because I don't have yet the experience. That's really good. Something you said earlier I thought was really interesting is really building systems. And so you have a, a system for your clients. You kind of systematize what you've done. And so it's not just a one-off. It's something that can be duplicated over and over. How has that affected your success and your ability to scale? What we're doing, we're building from scratch the systems and the framework, basically the infrastructure that is going to allow our clients to tap into new sales channels with Facebook Messenger and Instagram DM automation. Basically, that's what we're doing. So we're building everything from scratch. They are mainly like duplicable, but at the same time, they need to be adjusted per client, like, you know, what they're doing, what they're selling, who they're selling to, what's their brand voice, like how does everything need to look? It's going to look one way when we deploy it. And then... As we start optimizing it, because it takes like a couple of months to optimize what we deploy initially, because it's not perfect, that's usually very custom to each client. So while the whole idea and the system is duplicated, kind of, the idea basically, because we still build everything from scratch. Sure. But yeah, that's helped me a lot. Also because like with what I'm saying with um, my client that's been with me from the beginning, they were just amazing. When I started building chatbots for them and they saw the initial results, they're like, even now, when I come up with that idea, they're like, just go for it. If it makes money. or if it... <laughs> They allowed me to put into practice all of my ideas. And most of them paid off. Some didn't, <laughs> which was a good learning curve for me as well. But because I had this flexibility where I had access to, you know, all of their traffic, all of their business. I knew their business inside out. So they let me kind of build in and deploy all of my ideas and then optimize them, see how they work. And that's kind of, I've leveraged all of that. Basically, I'm leveraging all of that for other clients because I know what works and what doesn't. Yeah, super, super important there. So what is something that most companies get wrong when they think about customer interactions? Are you referring to business owners or just people in general? No, business owners. Every single business owner, or like let's call them lead, that I've been able to, that I've had time to educate around this has closed. Because at the point where they're able to see the full extent of the opportunity, they're sold. That's it. If they're not then they will probably think of chatbots of just like customer automation or customer support automation. That's pretty much it. They don't have this sales aspect in mind, the lead generation, you know, the high personalization they can kind of automate and that clearly a human cannot do because you're always going to start a new conversation with a human every single time. With the chatbot, if you've previously had a conversation... It remembers... Exactly. I mean, kind of remembers, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's programmed to remember what you were interested last time in, what you purchased maybe in the meantime, because we connected to the user's past purchase history, and they're able to design experiences that are that speak to that user only. And I feel like that's just come down to 
just reading a little bit about what can be done really with this technology rather than jumping to conclusions and saying, uh, or maybe they've had a poor experience with a chatbot in the past. We're just like going and you're just like stuck there. I feel like that's the biggest roadblock. So is that, would that be the biggest misconception about chatbots? I think so. And probably before even getting there, they just don't understand what this is. <laughs> <laughs> so when I pitch this, I'm trying all sorts of approaches to kind of explain. You can't really explain in a paragraph what this does. Like when I want to explain something like this, I need an hour to kind of have a conversation with somebody, show them what it can be done, and then ask them some questions to understand what is it that they're looking to do initially, because there are so many use cases. So, yeah, I think um, just educating them around the potential of chatbots. So if you're going to go back and tell yourself something, you know, maybe 10 years ago, you're you know, maybe 20, 25-year-old self, you know, something today you could go back in time. What would that be that you would tell yourself at that point? Yeah, you know what? I've thought about this and I've had some pretty crazy experiences like in my personal life as well. I probably tell myself, whatever happens, you'll be just fine. That's really good. <laughs> and I feel like when we mess up, especially in the early stages of you know entrepreneurship or anything for that matter when we mess up or something doesn't go as expected we feel like the world is going to end but it's really not it's just like it's just another stepping stone i mean unless you're dead it's not going to end <laughs> <laughs> so what does the future look like in technology and customer experience and chat it's looking very exciting for chat like for chat, if we're looking at chat market in 2021, it was $41 billion. Wow. That is projected to become $290 billion by 2025. So it's going to be a lot of this happening in the next four to five years. At the same time, there is work in progress to automate other platforms. So WhatsApp was just open to the public and there are 2 billion people monthly active users on WhatsApp. Now imagine as a business being able to drive conversations that sell via WhatsApp. And not only that, but build subscribers list that you can then re-engage with you know, paid messages via WhatsApp. So that's just opening up. Then we're going to have iMessage is due to, I'm probably, probably looking at like a bunch of other apps like TikTok, Telegram is already opened, iMessage, and voice as well is going to come in at some point. And then using all of these platforms to kind of, because you may re-engage with the same user on multiple channels, but that user is really favoring maybe one specific platform. So maybe somebody likes Facebook more on Instagram. And Here's what Facebook is work is doing because they're really doubling down on conversational marketing as well. And they have been for a few years now. So what they've been working on since 2019 is interoperability. That means that people who are on will be able to cross, to communicate cross-channel between Messenger, Instagram, and WhatsApp. So what that means is that 
somebody who has a messenger account may reach somebody on Instagram who does not have a messenger account and vice versa. And this functionality is projected to apply to chatbots as well. So at the point where you build the subscribers list, you can kind of then use them to kind of reach users in a much easier way. And at the same time, they've recently opened up a feature with running paid traffic, specifically to the DMs. So what they're doing now is they're allowing you when you set up, let's say, a Facebook ad, you can choose the channel that you are available to chat. So you have three options. You can choose Messenger, Instagram, or WhatsApp, or all three. So let's say you're available to chat on Messenger, on Instagram, and on WhatsApp. And then you're putting together, let's say, an abandoned cart Facebook ad that is targeted all of your audience that has abandoned their cart on your website. Now, here's how this will work. The same ad will be shown differently to people. So let's say if Sarah is usually spending all of her time on Facebook, she will see the ad with chat in Messenger or claim offer in Messenger. Now, if David, for example, spends all of his time on Instagram, he's going to see the exact same ad, but he's going to say DM us on Instagram or stuff like that. So then they're going to allow businesses to take down their cost per acquisition, engage people back into the DMs, build subscribers lists, monetize them at the same time, and this is going to be huge. That's really smart. Reaching people where they are instead of trying to pull them from one platform to whatever you happen to be on. Exactly. So it is just going to make it so much easier then to take your product into these people's inbox on the apps that they trust. That's really, really smart. Well, where can people learn more about Grow AI and about you? Yeah. So if they go to getgrowai.com, that's our website. And if they want to look me up, and it's just about looking up Lisiana Carter on LinkedIn. It's going to be just one of me. <laughs> <laughs> Believe that completely. I mean, you are definitely one of a kind. Love your journey <laughs> and, and what you're building. Really inspired by your process and your progress and your resilience. Thanks so much. You haven't given up and you continue to go and kind of reinvent the way that we sell online. That's how we do it. That's awesome. Well, it was a great conversation. Really appreciate you being on SAS Fuel. Thank you so much for having me, Jeff. Well, thanks again to Liz Carter for coming on the show and sharing your insights and resources. Learn more about Liz and Grow AI at getgrowai.com. That's getgrowai.com. And as always, all links, highlights, resources, and full show notes are available at sasfuel.com. Please subscribe or follow us at sasfuel.com. Everyone who subscribes gets one Get Out of Recession free card. Play it now or hold it for a future downturn. Subscribe today at sasfuel.com. Well, join us next week for our conversation with Andrew Foreman, CEO of Gives. Andrew is an investment banker turned SaaS founder that supports nonprofits in a really unique way. It is a fascinating discussion about driving additional sales and loyalty using donations over discounts. It's an absolutely brilliant concept with a huge impact. So check it out next week. So until we meet again, as always, enjoy the journey.